Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. This morning I want to preach on extreme makeovers. Look at your neighbor and say, my God, you need a makeover. (laughs) Come on, look dead at him and say, you need a makeover. All right, now how many is going to help me preach this morning? How many believe that what God has done for Alex, what God had done for Carson, what God's done for me, and what God's done for Matt is only exclusive to them? How many believe it's available to everyone in this room? How many believe it's available to everyone walking the earth? All right, Jesus paid a price for it. Listen to this. The gospel is not a survival kit. Did you hear what I said? The gospel is not a survival kit. It's a transformation kit. Look at your neighbor and say, the gospel is not a survival kit. It's a transformation kit. Uh, let's look at this. I actually got this thought. If you've been here for, for a season, I actually heard, uh, I think I was about 19 or 20 when I heard Pastor Dale use this text. So I stole it from him, and I'm pretty sure he stole it from somebody else. Who stole it from Jesus, okay? So let's know this. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, nothing new under the sun, right? But it ain't all been discovered. Come on. Look at this in Luke chapter 23. You're there in verse 26. If you ain't found it by now, just trust I'm going to read it to you, okay? Somebody's still around the book of Habakkuk. Come on now, let's get with it. It says in Luke chapter 23 and verse 26, it says, As they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and the breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things in the, in the, in the green wood, uh, what will be done in the dry There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other and the others on the other on the on the right uh, on the left then Jesus said father forgive them for they do not know what they do and they divided his garments and cast lots and the people stood looking on but even the rulers with them sneering saying he saved others let him save himself if he is the Christ the chosen of God the soldiers also mocked him coming and offering him sour wine and saying if you are the king of the Jews save yourself And in an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering uh, feared God, seeing you are under the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray one more time. Father, I thank you for this gathering of people. I thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made, and we are here to gather and rejoice in it. We thank you for the testimonies that went forth, God, that has laid the way. We thank you for everything that has transpired in this service, God. Now, Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, when we preach the word. I'm asking this morning that you would anoint me afresh. Your word is already anointed. It's the vessel that needs to help. And so, Father, I thank you for helping me today. I thank you for opening the ears of the hearer, Father. I thank you for the recovery of sight to the blind. And, Father, we thank you for just the mighty outcome of this service today in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Amen. I always praise God, help me preach good. I don't want to preach bad. I've said under bad preaching. It makes time go by better if it's good preaching, don't it? All right. 
Let's go with this. I heard this story one time that there was a great man of God that was uh, fixing to cross over. He was dying. He was fixing to cross over on the other side. And he requested that at his passing that they would be two men brought in, that one would stand on the left and one would stand on the right. He wanted a lawyer on the left and an IRS agent on the right. And they said, why do you want that? He said, Jesus died between two thieves. He wanted to go out between two thieves. Always cut up with that. Mr. Tom, he's not here. All IRS, right? Lord, forgive us, God. Listen, now this morning I got this thought, and as I, as I was praying in here last night, I actually, I told Catherine when we got back, I got here around 7 yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon, I just felt like I just needed time just to hang out with the Lord and just come in here and pray and just, you know, just try to, just try to eat. How many knows this, that a preacher, I mean, he, hey, I ain't only got to eat for you, I got to eat for myself, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to just feed my own self over some things. And, and so, but... At our house, if, if, if the boys are in, we got the outdoor channel on. If I'm there by myself, I like to watch MLB Network, sometimes a little news or whatever. Catherine says I watch too much news. and so. But uh, I'm just praying to God somebody finds something from Russia. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to get it over with. But anyhow, let, we'll get off of politics and back on the gospel, amen. And so, um, But if Catherine's at home, she likes to watch HGTV. How many like HGTV? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed of it. And she really likes this show called Fixer Upper. How many knows what I'm talking about? Chip and Joanna. Chip and Joanna specialize in the business. They're in the business of buying broken down homes that nobody, everybody else overlooks. Come on. And they, they purchase these homes for their clients and they turn these old houses into dream homes. How many seen that? And if your wife is like mine, I mean, that because they sat there and watched HGTV, they come up with all kind of ideas every week what needs to be done to the house. We as men can leave the house the same way for the rest of our life. I need, two de- I need one deer head, come on somebody, and about two fish mining, and, and, and it can stay the same color and they can stay in the same position every year. It really don't dust nothing else, just dust the deer heads and make sure it stays clean. <laughs> But if you like me, I have a few mounts. Mine are in my office. And the rest of them that we couldn't put in the house, they're in a tree house in Jessup. So I decorated John Ben and Garrison and my nephew's tree house with mounts. So anyhow, so listen to this. I believe this is what Pastor Dale said. Have me remember him preaching this. When the thief on the cross looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, will you remember me? Will you remember me when you get into your, when you cross over into your kingdom? I don't believe, just as Pastor Dale has already preached this, but if not, listen, it's Pastor John's sermon today, okay? That I don't believe he was saying, Will you remember my name as John Bagley when you get on the other side? I believe that as he looked at Jesus, he realized he really was the King of Kings. Come on, somebody. He really did, the, he, he really believed that he had the power to change his current situation. I believe that his life flashed before his eyes and he saw all the broken pieces from from the time he was a child to where he was at today and he was saying Lord can you do anything with this old dilapidated house that everyone else has overlooked can you remember me can you begin to place the pieces of my life back together things that have been jacked up by the world come on things where I've been hurt in my life things where I've been disappointed in my can you do anything with this if it's your first time here, I'm a Pentecostal preacher. That means we hollered, okay? So he was saying, will you remember me? Will you remember me? Can I tell you before there was a chip in Joanna Gaines, there was a man named Jesus that specialized in buying old broken down houses. Come on, somebody. Taking up residency in that house. Come on. And transforming it into dream homes. Come on now. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Jesus was a carpenter by trade. We know that. The scripture says he was the son of the carpenter, but then somewhere along the line, Joseph died and he became CEO of the business and he was a carpenter. Those of you that have been here and know me know that I lost my dad uh, in 2006 um, in uh, July 31st. So just been, what, 11 years ago. And so anyhow, my dad was also a carpenter. And uh, he, his, his job was after the house, now he could, he could, he built the houses from ground up, 
But really what his, his job was is that he came in and did the crown molding, the painting, the trim, all of that. He was a finisher. Okay, and so I remember working one of the last houses that we did was out 121 South near Hoboken, Georgia. How many knows where that's at? There was a subdivision in on the right, and we were in there working, and uh, my dad was, anybody know that when you're doing crown mold, you got to cut it backwards, right? Am I right, Steve? Got to cut it back because it's going up, you know. And so, man, I'd get all confused. And so my job was just to holler out the numbers. You know what I'm saying? The daddy, he'd be doing the cutting. He could cut it faster than I could holler it out nearly about it. And so anyhow, I remember cutting one, and it was really about an eighth of an inch short. And I was aggravated or whatever, and I, I said, Dad, I said, I cut it too short. And this is what I remember. I remember it like yesterday. He said, you can't mess that up. He said, I'll come back with some caulk. I'll fix this right here and I'll do this and you'll never know that that was ever too short. And I remember preaching at his funeral and I remember preaching his funeral and I said, let me tell you something, that's a lot like our lives. The enemy tried to tell us that we measure up too short every day of our life. Come on, somebody. The enemy wants to break. Well, you, you come up a way short on that, but I come to tell you here, there's one in heaven that's got a caught gun, friend. His name is Jesus. It's called grace and mercy. He'll take what you've come up short and he'll add his to it and it'll measure up in the eyes of God. Come on now. Now, let's look at this. They take a home, they buy old homes, and they turn them into dream homes. Homes that are overlooked. Has anybody ever felt like you overlooked? Come on now. Everybody wanting a nice, fancy house. They take the old home. Now, here's the deal. How do you determine the value of something? How do you determine what, what's the value of something? Number one, how rare it is. And number two, what somebody's willing to pay. Now, if Jesus is buying your house, first of all, what determines the price of your house? How rare it is and what someone's willing to pay. Can I tell you, you are the rarest of the rare. You are the only one of you walking the earth. Everybody say we got a twin, but here's the deal. You're the only one. There's a lot of fat, bald-headed people on the earth, but I am the only one. That is named John Bagley. Come on. I'm the only one with my DNA. I'm very rare. And so here's another thing. What determines the value is how rare. We know this, that we're rare because we're the only one. And another thing is what is someone willing to pay? And Matt has already told you this morning what Christ was willing to pay for you was that he was willing to go all the way to the cross. And before he ever made it to the cross, he went by the whipping post for you, friend. He took 39 stripes on his back. That was just for your healing. Come on, somebody. When the cross was so heavy, walking down the Via Della Rosa, and he tripped and fell with it, Simon was drafted in to help tote his cross. Come on now. And when he went all the way up Golgotha's hill, the Calvary, the place of the skull, he hung there blessed and died and gave his life as a ransom so that you and I could be free today. That's an awesome price. The Bible says perhaps, perhaps a man would be willing to die for his friend or a good man, but why we were yet sinners when we were still out in the club, when we were still cussing every breath. Come on, somebody, that Christ died for us. That's how much he was willing to pay. Now let's look at this. Look at some Bible here this morning. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 44. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Now, I've heard that preached a lot, that that's, that's Jesus, and when we find him, we'll get rid of everything else to make that purchase, right? But the other side of that coin is, is that Jesus left everything to purchase the field in you. Amen. Now, anybody ever seen a field? Now, I'm a hunter. Come on, somebody. I'm a country boy. 
I thought I had more country folk in that, in that but I'm sitting, I was listening to one of our podcasts and I was thinking, you know, God, if you're not from, if people's not from South Georgia, they're not even going to be able to interpret what I'm saying. We had a lady when I pastored, when I pastored over in Alma, we had a lady that was from New York and we had to have a translator sitting beside her, you know what I'm saying, to translate what I'm preaching. <laughs> I preached in Jacksonville, Florida one morning and 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 there was a guy who was a city guy that who was met me back at the four year whatever and I was coming out and he said, Man, he said, Does everybody talk, you know, that country where you're from? And he was sitting there waiting on his wife and he had her pocketbook in his hand. And I said, Yeah, I said, but where I come from, men don't tote pocketbooks, glory to God. He left me alone about the speech. So here's the deal. The flip side of that coin is Jesus saw a treasure in you. God, help us right here. See, a lot of times when we look in the mirror, it's hard to see the treasure. But Jesus saw a treasure in us. Come on, somebody. Even when other people only saw your addiction. Come on. When other people only saw your brokenness. When other people only see your shortcomings, he sees the treasure that is deep in there and he was willing to purchase the field. You know what that means? He was willing to buy me with all of my junk. Do you know that God factored all your mess in when he called you? He factored every mistake in, every failure, every time you ran away kicking and screaming, he factored all of that in and he still chose you. That ought to make somebody shout in this room right here this morning. Come on, somebody. If I was in a Baptist church, they'd be clapping. We're in a Presbyterian church, though. He purchases the field. In a field, you got some good ground for cultivation. You also got fence rows. They have to be sprayed constantly. Well, if not, weeds will take it over. And here's the thing. If a field, if you don't work the field, everything will take over the field. Dog fiddles will come up. Briars will come up. Volunteer pine trees will come up. Volunteer oak trees will come up. Everything will be in the field. But Jesus saw all that and he was still willing to purchase the field. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Now here's the deal. If you watch Chip and Joanna, once the, once the couple, I might have to give them royalties on this message. Once the couple makes a decision, this is the house that we want. Chip gets very excited. Because he knows the first thing that's going to happen is what he calls demo day. Demo day is when they come into the house and they swing the sledgehammers and they're just in there breaking and tearing stuff down. Now look at now listen here. If you're going to have a transformation makeover, you're going to have to have a D-Day in your life. If I'm ever going to have an extreme makeover, there's going to have to be a demolition day. And the demolition day is the lies that we have embraced and that we believe is truth about us. Come on, let's go right here to the book of Galatians. You all right? All right, I'm only on page, page two and I got 15 pages of notes, okay? If you visit here, we're on a 40-day fast, so it makes no difference about lunch. <laughs> no, we're going to eat something. Glory to God. I got a text yesterday and said, we're in day 10. I said, man, I'll get happy when I'm in day 38. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How many knows that your flesh is, man, it's kicking and screaming. I went the whole, the, the whole, the end of the week saying, God, why didn't I call a three-day fast? We should have started with like a three-day or seven-day. I just jumped there, hauled off and said 40 days. Now we said it. Look at this. In Galatians chapter 3, look at this. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who's put witchcraft on you? Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit, uh, the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain, 
Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed so that then those who are of faith are blessed by believing with Abraham. Look at this. We don't sin because we have a sin nature. Lord, I was hoping I was going to get amen. Don't make me chase this rabbit. If you're born again, your old man died of supernatural causes. He no longer exists. The sin nature in man was killed at the cross. You have no desire for it. If I have no desire for sin, you say, preacher, well, you don't, you don't live in the body. It has desires. Listen, we're on this fast, and I noticed last night, with Catherine, uh, or yesterday, Catherine and I were making up the bed. She said, you help me make it to bed. And she was on one side, and I was on the other side, and we were pulling the covers back. And all of a sudden, this Reese's peanut butter cup commercial come on the TV. And we got this big flat screen, you know, in our bedroom. And it showed like the piece of the Reese's cup. And I just sat there, and I looked at Catherine, and she was like, and then I looked, and I was like, and our hands, was, we wasn't, all progress has stopped. God, help me right now, Lord. Mm. Somebody pray in tongues if you can, for strength. So here's the deal. The sin nature, the sin nature was, was well, how, let, let me ask you this then how does people sin? I want to ask you this. Did Adam and Eve have a sin nature? No, they didn't because the Bible says that God created and when he got through creating, he said all that was good that he made. Well, how were they able to sin without a sin nature? Because they had the ability of free will and that was the ability to believe a lie. And here's the deal. When we have the ability, this is how we empower the enemy is by believing his lies. And if he is empowered, he will devour Now here's the deal. If I'm going to transform my life, it doesn't start at my feet. It starts in the heart. With the heart, man believeth. I don't know what you got up here. A lot of us has got stuff up here that we don't have here. With the heart, man believeth. So here's the deal. I've got to demo the lies that I have embraced that I believe is the gospel. Here's the big thing down in the south. We believe that we got to work our way to get there. And this is what he said by the Galatians. You started out in the spirit by just simply believing what you had. How do you get saved? You believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He died on the cross. He rose three days afterwards and he's at the right hand of the father making intercession and you receive that by faith. It's the belief of what he done, right? How do you get healed? You believe that he's a healer. You receive it the same way you receive salvation. Now what happens is this. Here's this. Lie. I can never be the person God called me to be. When I was praying last week, how many know I used this statement about city transformation preached for two weeks on it. And I, and I'm, I gave this statement about what you think is immovable can be moved if it's tipped in the right place. And I heard, felt like the Lord told me, he said, son, you can't get your people to believe that a city can be tipped in the right place until they believe that their lives personally can be tipped in the right place. What I feel like many of us is in a rut. Come on, somebody. Have you ever found yourself in a rut? Come on. You desire to be further than where you're at, but you're almost like your car sitting on a jack stand and you just got the wheel spinning. I believe there's going to be a grace to come in this house this morning to break us out of the rut. Come on and help us get our lives in order and on track. Come on now. God is for us, friend. He is saying go. He's saying run. He's the greatest cheerleader that has ever been. Now, I can never be the person God has caused me to be. Do you ever feel like that? Am I ever going to be that person? 
I remember sitting there as a 19-year-old boy, as a 20-year-old, as a thinking about preaching. I remember listening to Pastor Dale and saying, I could never preach like that. How many knows this, that Jesus gave the story just to make time fly in Matthew 19. He started talking about a rich man. And he started talking about how difficult it was for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Come on. That ain't talking about a sewing needle either. Come on now. It's easier for a camel to get down and crawl through that simple place, that little bitty place of the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. And the disciples said, Lord, Lord, can anybody be saved? He said, with man, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I came this morning to tell you, you can be that person, friend. Come on. You've got to demo that lie. You've got to break that down in your heart and say, you know what? I don't care how many times I failed. I don't care if mama didn't do it. I don't care if daddy didn't do it. I don't care if granddaddy didn't do it. I will be that person. I'm determined this morning if God be for me, then who in the world could be against me? And I can be that person. Gosh, I'm trying to help this morning. Here's a big lie right here. I have believed this and others have believed this in this room. I can never be free. I just can never be free. It seems like, boy, there's so much I want to preach right here. There's a lot of Christians live on house arrest. You can only get so far and that ankle bracelet starts going around. That is a lie. How many knows this? If you, and I have been there. I've, I've, been in, I've been in third world countries where they ride an elephant to town. But do you know this? They can get off that elephant and they can stake him with a very small rope and tie that rope around his foot and hold him in place till they get, out, get ready to go back home. How in the world is a big, massive elephant staying in place by that little bitty rope? How does he stay there? Why don't he just tear the rope up, go in there? Man, he's big enough to knock the shack down that they're in there working in. Because when that elephant is little, they take a stake and they take this massive this massive rope and this massive, massive chain and they chain it around his foot and he strains at it and he strains at it and he strains at it and he can never get free. So what happens in his mind, he believes with that little bit of weight and that little bit of resistance that because he couldn't break it when he was little, he can't break it now. How many knows that is an absolute lie? Come on, friend. I came to tell you this morning, I don't care if you have failed one million times. He still is a way maker. Come on somebody he still is a deliverer come on somebody and the Bible says that the same spirit raised Christ Jesus from the dead if it dwells in you it will quicken your mortal body this same spirit that I'm talking about is the one that removed the stone in front of the tomb friend if it can do that surely it can break anything off of our life today my God I'm preaching in this place we cannot believe that. We've got to believe the truth. How do you replace a lie? You've got to replace it with the truth. So what are you saying, preacher? Get down in my life. Tell me where I'm living practical. I'm telling you, you post on a sticky note. You put it right on your mirror when you look to shave or when you look to do your hair. Put it right on that sticky note. And you put in there, I am an overcomer in the name of Jesus Christ because he overcame death, hell, and the grave. Surely I'm overcoming. You put another sticky note, devil, you're an absolute liar. He that has been set free is freed indeed. That's what you put. And you reprogram that hard drive, friend. I'm telling you, if you'll begin to change the way you think, you'll transform your life. You better believe it. I'm going to take another offering right here at the end. Glory to God. I'm telling you, I know I'm preaching what God said for today. There's somebody here needs to hear what I'm preaching. I'm talking to you today, friend. I'm telling you, I'm talking to myself, but I'm talking to you. Listen, this, I'll never be free. Absolute lie. That's an absolute lie. And here's the thing. See, when we fall so many times, other people begin to give up on us. But I'm telling you, when the church has given up on you, and when mom and dad has given up on you, he will never give up on you. Amen. Dusty, was, uh, he met one of my, one of my friends that I, I grew up together. He was always, he was always uh, what I call the, 
you know, he just a short man syndrome. You know what that means? The short man syndrome, you always feel like you got to prove yourself. He was just smaller or whatever. Uh, I've always, I, I, get, I had short legs, any pants. I, I had to wear huskies and cut them off. I told you that. Get a, get a pair of pants that's lying, time to, hem, time to get through being hemmed, the lining's all the way down at the ankles. So I mean, know we all got issues, right? That's why when we get to heaven, the Bible says we're going to have a new body. I don't know if you'd be recognized because I'm going to look like David Hasselhoff running down the beach. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Lord of mercy. God help me, Jesus. I had all kinds of thoughts coming. Lord help me stand on it right here. Hey, Lord. He's got a great family. I'm still talking about my friend. Great family. Mom's a praying woman full of the Holy Ghost. He's got all this self-image stuff going on. So he says, you know what? To get bigger, he gets down the road of steroids trying to get bigger. Big people want to be little. Little people want to be big. Tall people want to be short. Short people want to be tall. White people want to get dark. Dark people want to get light. We just need to come to the terms that we were wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of God and be excited about who God made you. I'm never going to run around in skinny jeans and be a 28, I can promise you. <laughs> if I'm in skinny jeans, that's because somebody put them on me in the coffin. <laughs> Help me right here, Lord. Stay anointed, God. Be with me right here. So let me say this. He, he had blown it 100 times. All of that road led to the point that now he is shooting oxycodone in his veins. He's burned all the veins up in his arm. <clears throat> Matt, I tell you, he's a childhood friend. He would come by church, wouldn't he? He'd be like this because he's so far out of it. And I remember grabbing him by the shirt one night, and I said, don't you ever disrespect me coming in this house. You tore up like this. That probably wasn't the best representation of God. But I've known him ever since I was little. We're close. I had people to say, why in the world would you let him? I started letting him do stuff at the church for him. He said, why in the world would you let him do stuff? Man, you know what in the world he's doing? I said, yeah, I know what he's doing. But this is what I got to believe. This, this is what I believe. I believe that the power of God... Is stronger than the power of darkness. I believe the spirit of God in this room is stronger than anything that can be brought in this room. Hello. All I need you to do is get close to the fire. Come on, somebody. Just get in the environment. See, if you got the right environment, you don't have to strain to make growth happen. In a greenhouse, they're not straining trying to yield tomato plants. They're just sitting in the environment and producing fruit. Come on now. We didn't give up on him. Although, let me say this, there was times, was I aggravated? I loaded him in my truck, brought him all the way here to the house of grace. They told us to go to, uh, they told us to go to uh, uh, Nashville to detox him. Got over there to Nashville, I told the people we were from Bacon County, they kicked us out of the hospital, wouldn't detox him. I spent all night, after working all day, all night on the road with him in my truck, calling every hospital, and finally the last hospital, I said, don't tell nobody you want to get people off of drugs when you won't even put somebody in there that wants to be free just trying to dry them out. I said, don't tell, don't stand up and say nothing about the drug problem in your community then. Come on now. So we, and, and, and watch him, get, clean him up, watch him fall, clean him up, watch him fall, clean him up, watch him fall. Try to help him, watch him fall. Just get aggravated, wanting to choke him to death, watch him fall. But let me tell you this, one time he got cleaned up and he stuck. Come on, somebody. I had a dream one night and I saw this girl, I saw me marrying him and this girl. I said, there ain't no way in the world this girl gonna give him a time of day. But can I tell you, sure as I had the dream, he's married today to a beautiful woman, got two beautiful kids. God restored everything that the enemy took from him. He's high up in his office where he works. God is a transformational God. Come on, somebody. He buys the broken and he makes a dream house out of them. Right. God has given up on me. 
That's an absolute lie. I just told you that story. I'm going to tell you one more. Matthew 28, 20 says that, Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. This means God is with us. How many ever heard of Jim Baker? Raise your hands. First of all, Jim Baker had a vision that would dwarf a lot of business CEOs. The vision that he had was phenomenal. It gets off track. You know the story. Jim Baker is arrested, right? Here's a preacher taking money, whatever, the whole deal. He's arrested. He's thrown in the back of the car. And as he's cuffed and thrown in the back of the car, he cries out to God and he wants to die. And he says that God speaks to him immediately and says, Lo, I am with you even until the end. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can I tell you on your worst day, the day that you fleshed out. Come on. Anybody ever had a flesh trip? Am I the only one in the building? Hello. I didn't come to talk to angels today. I came to talk to normal folk. Come on now. On your worst day, on your worst day, when you've blown it from daylight to dark, he's still right there with you, friend. Come on, somebody. This is a lie. And if I'm going to transform my life, I got to know this. I can be the person. I can be free. God has not given up on me. He's 100% for me. Now here's this. Lie. I'm not qualified and I'm not good enough. Can I give you an example right here? Look at the one holding the microphone. God does not call the qualified and the pretty. He calls you and then qualifies you who he called. Paul said it like this, that he chooses the weak things of the world to confound the mind of the wise. You are qualified. You are equipped. The fact that God calls you, the fact that God told you to go do it is a sure enough sign that you could do it. Think about the battle that you're in. Now, now here, I got three boys, and if I'm going to arrange a fight for my sons, I'm definitely going to arrange a fight that they can win. I'm not fixing to put them in the ring with a Vander Holyfield. I'm going to put them in the ring with Pee Wee Herman. Because I know the outcome. The Bible says it like this in Philippians. By, by, when we're not alarmed by our opponent. Otherwise, when you don't get worked up because of the opponent you're fighting, that is a sure tell sign to him that he's already lost the battle. Can I tell you this? Whatever battle comes in your lane, it's because God has already equipped you with the outcome, friend. You're going to win this victory. All right. Now think about this. In 2009, Damon Thompson said this in this building at the Holy Spirit Conference. He said, our lives are not changed by one big thing, but by a continual applying, a continual application of the elementary things. Now here's the deal. We all want the extreme makeover. I wish I could go to something in the mall and just say, can you blow off 80 pounds? Is anybody else... How many knows that the, that the 80 pounds, I think I'm like a 208 plus some. Come on. How many knows that that didn't get on there overnight? It's not leaving overnight. And so here's the deal. When we want to transfer, we want to transform our physical body. Now here's how I am. I'm just telling you me. I can go on a 10-day fast. I mean, just cut, just water and just straight collard greens. Drop 10 pounds. Go to sisters one time and gain 10 pounds back. How does that happen? I can gain weight watching the Food Network. So here's the deal. We don't, we don't change our life by a fast diet. We change our life by a lifestyle change. And we start with the little. Come on, somebody. Man, I'm, here, I'm trying to help you because I'm the world's worst at discouragement. Here's the thing. If I have a measuring stick in my house, right? 
if it goes up to seven feet and I take my boys and I try to measure their growth every week, they will get discouraged. They will look and say, Dad, I'm not growing. Come on now. But if about once every three, once every six months, maybe once a year, twice a year, if I put them against the wall, they're going to look and say, my God, look how much I've grown. Some of you are not great evangelists in this room, but I've looked and seen how far you have come. And sometimes we gotta celebrate the small steps and be thankful. Look, hey, I'm not where I was at. I'm not where I wanna be, but thank God I'm not where I started. Now, it's not, the Bible says this, puts it like this in Isaiah 28.10. Line upon line and precept upon precept. Here little, there a little. This is how your life has changed. So how, all right, if I've thought negative thoughts for 20 years, you're not going to break that unless God does a miracle in this service instantly. You're going to have to go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 where it says, Be ye not conned, formed. Don't be conned into forming to this world. See, you and I got a battle on our hands. The world is trying to shape your kid. If you're not shaping your kid, MTV is shaping your kid. Social media is shaping your kid. Come on, somebody. Their peers are shaping them. They're telling them what love looks like. They're telling them what, what to be a man, what it looks like. It says, don't be conned into forming to this world. But now here it goes. Be you transformed. Look at your neighbor and say, do you want the makeover? Be you transformed. Here's how it works. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you will change the way you think, you will change the way you act. How many know some of us got to change the way we think about money? How we think about relationships? Hello. Some of, the, some of us, the easy thing is to point the finger at the devil and to point the finger at everything else. But finally, you got to point the finger at you and say, listen, I'm the one that's got to change in this thing. Come on, somebody. I'm the one that needs to make over. And i got to change the way I think. So it's not the big thing. You can run out. Listen to this. You just heard Carson testify what happened to him at the ramp. He will not live off of that the rest of his life. He got a that that's like going to that's like going over here getting a shot of Rosef and it just knocked it loose. But now you have to build upon that. Line upon line, precept upon precept. The Bible also says it like this. It says that when, 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 a, when an unclean spirit leaves out of a house, is that am I in the book? It says it will return back. This is what the scripture says. It says, I will return back to my house. First of all, you had to be taught and trained to tell it this ain't your house anymore. This ain't your house. You didn't see the no trespassing sign I'd posted out front? This ain't your house anymore. It says it will try to enter back into that house. That's why we got, that's why we have a bunch of men that go to the house of grace, but only, a, only just a few can get it and stay free. Why? Because they've not been taught. This ain't your house. That thing is coming back. How many knows that the negative thoughts still come every day? You got to reject the thing. Hello? Lord, they so many. You just need to preach on that right there. We got to move on. Got to move on. Look at your neighbor say he's moving on. Praise God. All right. I want to say this. I don't know what time it is, but I'm getting close to the airport, okay, because I'm getting hungry. Listen to this. Listen to this. I thought about this. I'm going to give you just a few right quick. Stay with me right here. If I can get my worship team, get them ready. I can get somebody on the board, a couple of musicians, help me out right here. Abram, how many members Abram was an idol worshiper? An idol worshiper in a foreign land. This is who Abram was. But God spoke to Abram and called him out. And gave him a name change to Abraham. The ha. 
that comes from the Hebrew word ruha, the breath of God. What happened is God took the idol worshiper, breathed into his life, and the idol worshiper came from Abram to Abraham, which is the father of many nations. All you and I got to have to have a makeover is to have the breath of God to enter in us one time. Come on, somebody. Have one encounter with God. Show me a man in history or in the Bible that changed anything and I will show you a man that had an encounter with God. I will not show, he he didn't have an encounter with religion or a church, he had an encounter with the Christ. Think about these transformational people. Moses was a basket case. That gives me hope for Catherine. Playing, I'm getting in trouble. I wasn't gonna say Terry, but I said I might have been do that. Moses was a basket case. Here's the second thing: Moses was a murderer. He killed a man and was on the run. That does not look like a man that God is willing to choose. God takes this man that was a basket case and was a murderer and called him to be a spokesperson for him to deliver his people. And here's another thing. He stuttered so bad he couldn't hardly speak. But God transforms basket cases and murderers and and, and people with, with no speech into great preachers and demonstration. And Moses became a great pastor and delivered God's people out of Egypt. Gideon was turned from a fearful man into a man of valor. David came from poverty. David had a lot of wealth in his family line, but the time he got along, Jesse only had just a small house and a few sheep. And was a man hidden in the field. Now think about this. Think about if you, if you came from this rejection, even when Samuel pulled up to the house and told Jesse that God has chosen one of your sons to be king, he did not even believe that, that, that David even had a chance to be in the line. Eli was the first one. The Bible says he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was tall, dark-haired, good-looking, about like myself. And when, when Samuel, and here's the deal, it's not like what happened was is he went over with a ram's horn full of oil and when he turned the oil completely upside down, it would not pour out the horn. He went to the second man and he tilted the horn up and it would not pour out of the horn. And he said, for surely, Jesse, there must be one more unless I've missed God. And Jesse said, you know what? I do got one more. He's an illegitimate child. Come on, according to Psalms 51 where David said, in the womb I was shaping, Right? Right? Was he not saying he was born in iniquity? He said, there, there is one that, 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 that I got on the back side of the desert, but I've been kind of hiding him a little bit. He said, bring him up there. And when he tilted the ram's horn, the oil began to flow over him. God took a shepherd boy that wasn't even, wasn't even in the line to be chosen and turned him into a man after his own heart and a king. Come on, somebody. Let's look at this. I'm just trying to give us hope. Joseph was a slave in prison and became second in command of a nation. If you're free on the inside, it don't matter if you're in a prison or whatever, you'll free the prison. Come on now. All right. I'm trying to find the rest of them. Where are they at? All right, here it is. Simon. Simon the rough commercial fisherman became Peter the great revivalist. Simon means broken reed. And when Jesus said in Matthew 16, when Peter had the revelation of the Christ, come on, he said, I'm no longer calling you Simon, but now I'm going to call you Peter the rock. You're no longer going to be known as a broken reed that'll cave in at every situation, Peter. Listen, when you're young, I'm going to call, when you're young, you went about as you want and people led you where you, but when you're going to be old, they're going to lead you where you're not wanting to go, but you're going to have the faith to stand up and you're no longer going to be called broken reed. I'm going to call you Peter the rock and I'm going to use you Peter to preach a first sermon and 3,000 people's going to be saved. Just trying to give you hope right here. Listen, if God can do it for Peter, he can do it for you. 
Saul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, the chiefest among sinners, became the Apostle Paul, the author of 13 books of the New Testament. 13 books of the New Testament. Stand up on your feet. Now I asked him, could I use him? I'll even use Dusty. I can use me. Clay, come right here with me. He said, oh, Lord. I'm just trying to tell you. We, this the whole service today has been about the goodness of God changing our lives, right? Has anybody's life been changed in this room? Huh? Now, here's the deal. All right. Hallelujah, Jesus. I told Clay before service, I actually wrote his name down. He's got a picture, and I, w- I, w- I wouldn't show it up on the screen, but he's got a picture of his driver license, let's say 15 years ago. About right, 15 years ago. He's almost unrecognizable on the driver's license. Here's a man that's on the run from the law, bound by drugs, surrenders to the law because he's got to have a change in his life. Is in a jail cell. Got a jail partner in this room. I'm just calling us all out, ain't I? Mickey, raise your hands. Was in the jail with that man. But can I tell you today that God is a miracle-working God, and He invests in the lives of the broken. Come on, somebody. And a man stands here today, a decade later, with no drug problem. Come on, somebody. God gives him a wife and a family and his own job. I come by to tell you, friend, there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. What can he do with your life? We just got to give it to him. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Stay with me, Clay. Now, I want you to lift your hands unto God. Come on. Now, hold on. Don't lift your hands. I want you to bow your head right quick. We're going to say a prayer right here. Come on, we're doing business with God right here, right now, in this room. Come on, if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, if you're in this place this morning, and you say, Pastor, I really need God's help this morning. I really need that transformation you're talking about. I really need my life to change. Friend, listen to me. Don't leave this place the same way you came in. My God, that would be a tragedy. God is here today for you. Pastor, I really need God to transform my life. I need help in my marriage. I need help in my finances. I need help. I need help, preacher. Will you pray for me? Come on, lift your hand high. Come on, lift your hand high. Come on, lift your hand high. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.